Welcome back, Aaron. It's great to be talking to you and have you in front of a microphone as opposed to behind all of the audio equipment. Very excited to have this conversation with you. You finally did it. You had your, your first plant medicine ceremony. Congratulations, first and foremost. Thank right? Congratulations. You so much. Thank you. Thank you. This, thank is, you. A, this is an awesome opportunity um, for other people that are listening to not only hear your story, because we have recorded some backstory with you, but also to kind of hear it from the perspective of someone who just had their first ceremony, who's kind of fresh out of it, and who has a really interesting backstory that will resonate with a lot of people that are hearing this. Just to rekindle that backstory a little bit for the sake of context. If you look back prior to us meeting, would you be able to describe your general day-to-day -day way of being, your mindset, what tools you were using, what tools you weren't using for mental health and wellness? What's that memory of Aaron look like? Yeah, the old Aaron is anxiety-ridden, and it's something that I've had since childhood. Right out of high school, I was medicated with Zoloft and then later amitriptyline. Whose decision was that? You know, definitely not her decision. But my mom had explained, look, I live with really bad anxiety and I go and see a therapist and they prescribe me some medications to take the edge off. Eventually it was so bad that I was like, mom, I think I want to try that. So I went and did the same thing and they prescribed me what they prescribed her, which is Zoloft. And then later because it was it was just getting worse like even with those Olaf it was getting yeah, worse yeah like with and it meaning your kind of your state of mind yeah being, my anxiety got worse even though i was taking the medication which only now i'm like duh I'm like that's not a good sign but my anxiety got worse and i eventually started taking amitriptyline on top of that you know i would take one in the morning i would take one at night cuz the one in the morning would help me face life and face everybody and then the one at night would help me sleep because I couldn't sleep due to the anxiety of the day to come. So the nighttime pill was basically addressing a symptom that was occurring as a result of the daytime pill, right? <laughs> yeah, so we yeah. got caught in the cycle quick. I was an anxiety case before meeting you guys and before starting on this overall journey and before my ceremony. So, yeah, man, Aaron is just an anxiety case. And as a reference point for me or anyone else listening, from the point you started going to see the therapist to the point you actually got a prescription for the medication, how much time did that take? And this is long ago. I think it's faster now. Yeah, now on telemedicine, you can go online uh, yeah, 24 hours no, later. This, this was like probably one session with a therapist, one session with a psychiatrist, and you got the meds. Right. I mean, that's doesn't but not only meds but like mind altering mood altering and med meds where like if you get off them you're gonna feel bad like maybe worse and when you start taking them start you're also gonna feel worse before they figure out what your balance is right i've never felt worse than when i started taking zoloft and what does feeling worse even 
what, what is that? Can you describe feeling worse if you're already saying, hey, I was ridden with anxiety. I started taking this medicine and then I got worse. It's like, what does worse it, feel like? I'm not joking. Worse feels like worse anxiety. And do you blame yourself at that point when you're saying, hey, I had anxiety. I'm taking this medicine. The medicine's supposed to help me. It's not helping me. Oh, I must be broken. I must be really bad. Do you have that self-talk going on or do you say, no, give it time to kind I'm of I'm sure a lot of people do. But for me, I was just like a stray domestic animal who's shivering shaking in the cold just like i don't know i don't know something helped me i didn't have the bandwidth to blame myself or anybody i was just like i'm freaking out in the previous episodes you will notice that i do blame my upbringing and my childhood there was some physical abuse there and i would blame a lot of that but like i don't want to blame that anymore i feel great as far as the life that i've been dealt i feel very good about the life that i was born into and everything now yeah i feel wonderful about it truly lucky so it was just bad it was a bad situation and my whole family struggles with it it again anxiety or anxiety, just general mental the, health the, the really issues. and mental health because my father's bipolar and that i was blaming his physical abuse of me on his bipolar I don't know. He was a frustrated guy. They had a frustrated life. They were trying to raise four kids on no income at all, you know, welfare, food stamps, the whole thing. They were frustrated, frustrated people. So the less I know, you know what I mean? The, yeah, the more I learn about myself and everything. And that's okay. I'm here. I'm happy. I'm lucky. Like, I feel great. We have two medications at this point. We have a daytime medication to address anxiety. We have a nighttime medication to address the symptoms, unintended consequences we're getting from that first pill we're having a hard time sleeping this helps us we're waking up again to another pill but the condition is still there in the background sometimes in the foreground and it's important to note that um i'm about to be 36 in a few days oh nice i dude, we're talking about serious mind-altering anti-anxiety meds from the time i graduated high school until 36 years old wow that's a long, long time, time. It's a long time before realizing that that's not the way. Right. And all those years, we're experiencing life through the filter of the meds. So mm -hmm. maybe perhaps we're not even experiencing it the way it is. We're experiencing it through this, this filter that isn't necessarily benefiting us. Because what's it doing? Like, So if an individual has this amount of anxiety and struggle, you're... Working with these mood-altering, mind-altering substances, is it addressing the anxiety in a meaningful way? Is it masking it? Is it just making some days feel better than others? What do those 18 years look like? Is it a roller coaster? Is it Dude, consistent? I... Are the medications changing in terms of dosage? Like, what's happening oh, throughout they, those they 18 upped, years? They upped it at one point, you know... Your request, right? So no, you're coming in. No, no they, they just upped it. They, they, I came in for my checkup with the psychiatrist. He said, I think I want to up it. Like, oh my God. No explanation. Um, that's I, blowing my if, mind. If you, if you ask me, man, my mother is like overweight. My older brother is overweight. We were all going to the same practice. Ooh. And one of the main symptoms of Zoloft is weight gain. 
and they told me this when getting on. They're just watch, watch your weight. I know you're a skinny guy, but like watch the eating and the weight because that can really creep up on you. Mm. I'm pretty sure I came in for my checkup. I still looked skinny, and he was like, "I think I can up your dose because you're not gaining weight." Wow. Now that's just a theory, but I'm just, but I didn't ask. There's something there, sure. I did not ask. Did it come after perhaps uh, like some type of verbal evaluation where he said, "Hey, how are you feeling? Is it working?" And I said, "I'm feeling good." So like, I don't know. Oh my gosh! And then he just upped your dose. Yeah, yeah. This was a few months after being on it for the first time. Wow. And this is the only time that I can tell you, I was on cloud nine. I was like wow i feel better like we're talking a couple months dude that went away like def- the feeling better went away Yeah, before right. before a year was out i was just like baseline regular anxious aaron you know what i mean i was afraid to go out like i would rather stay in i don't want to go out if i'm like running out of food and i didn't want to go out shopping or go grab a, a bite somewhere the last thing i wanted to do was go be social with anyone mm-hmm. have to say hi to a stranger or drive in traffic everything's a trigger right everything gave me anxiety and this is like being on the meds there was a period of time when i could feel the meds doing something i was like oh wow this is great i'm gonna be okay like see that went away so quickly would we say maybe 18 years or something in the grand scheme of that amount of time that went away in the first five percent of the totality of my time being on the drugs. Wow. So. And because it has this instantaneous positive effect, even when it dissipates, we're kind of inclined to stay on the med saying, oh, well, it worked before. It might work again. It might just not be working today, right? So you're not inclined to really kind of come off the meds. And you're afraid to come off them. And the doctors tell you, try not to miss a day because you feel bad. Not only you'll get headaches, but you will get a bout of anxiety. So there's a fear-based response mechanism, not only from within, but from without, because you're hearing it from your doctor. I mean, the side effects are bad if you don't take it. You know, not as bad as like anti-seizure medication, but it's bad. Like you're going right. to you're going to feel pretty bad. Right. And so the first pill, you know, has these side effects. We take the second pill and then he's coming out and saying and not pointing to the doctor, but just kind of to the industry at large. There's this other potential side effect, which is kind of weight gain. And that's not really good on the body and mm-hmm. the mind. And then we might have to kind of offset that. Now, if I'm not inclined to prescribe diet and exercise for you, I might have to give you another pill to manage that. So realistically, it's kind of a cascading series of prescriptions. Half the country, they say, is on two prescription medications or more at this point. But each one of these, as we're kind of identifying and as we already know, has its own list of complications and side effects. But no one wants to take you off that primary med, right? Because that's what was prescribed in the first place to address the condition. So we're more inclined to just continue to prescribe medications to offset and mitigate the side effects from the primary driver. And let's, for our audience, I'm not advocating anyone which way i'm telling you my experience right this is not a recommendation in in fact i don't recommend going cold turkey off of any of these meds even if if you're having the same experience that i'm describing hey man do not do it cold turkey because it's not good well what's your experience with that how did you get yourself to transition away yeah for me it was splitting my pills in half if you have to, you got to go grab a pill cutter from somewhere. And, and what you... was the motivation to do that, though? When did that happen? When did you start to kind of, uh, you know, 
dress your own dosage, so to speak. We were doing this podcast. Oh, so we're all talking almost 17 years later. Yeah, started yeah. This process. Yeah. I mean, there were times when I tried to wean myself off in a similar fashion, maybe take one every other day. But like, why? That's really what I want to understand. Like, what drove you to the point of saying that, hey, maybe this is inappropriate, whether it's the dosage or the medicine itself? I started gaining weight, if I'm being uh, honest. And then also just, it never felt natural to me. I had some sort of instinctual thing where I was like, this can't be good. Can I ask you the weight gain? Is it exclusively a byproduct of taking that particular set of medicine? Or is it just more eating as a result of, let's say, looking for comfort? Or what, what's going on there? Where's the weight gain coming from? It's one of the number one side effects listed. Is it unconscious kind of eating? Is it um, hunger? I had a bigger appetite. I was more frivolous with my spending. That's the other thing I didn't like about it. For everyone listening, we're only talking about my first six months on Zoloft. Because <laughs> the rest was baseline. I was the same as before I ever took it. I had bad anxiety. Wow. <laughs> That's me on Zoloft and off Zoloft. Right now we're talking about that small window where it's really doing its thing because it's new. And I was spending frivolously. I was running up credit cards. I was going out to eat too much. I was eating too much fast food because it was fun and it was easy. And I was like, hey, what the heck? It's a cheap high, right? I don't know if it's the increased appetite that it gives you or that reckless abandon that I'm talking about that it gave me. But yeah, the weight gain eventually came. And then before I knew it, I was a skinny fat guy. I, was, <laughs> I, had, I didn't feel that any of this was natural. I didn't like the way I ran up my credit cards. And uh, I decided to try to wean off. And that was to no avail. I quickly went back to the regular dose. Tell me about that. How does that look and feel? You start to lower your dosage, right? And you said you quickly went back. What happened in the gap there? Were you starting to feel more anxious? Or? Yeah, you start to take one every other day instead of every day. And then you're like, you know, you didn't go out today. <laughs> and you're just like, I guess I got to take the meds. You know what I mean? But that might be pointing to like a withdrawal process, I meaning with all drugs, right? It's like when we get really yeah, hooked, we got to go true. through a withdrawal and that true, withdrawal true. is usually a tough time, but we have to make it through the other end of it to and, really kind of stabilize. And again, even when I started taking it full dose, which I did take it full dose for most of those 17 more years or whatever, deep in the back of my head, it's like, hey, Aaron, you know, you were scared to go out today and that's why you didn't go out. So one more question on that backstory, because it's important for me just to understand if you look back on it now with this fresh set of eyes, when that credit card bill was increasing, when you were kind of going through this period of weight gain, if you look back on it, were those decisions that you made that kind of fostered all of those lifestyle changes, was that made through a clear-headed perspective? Or do you feel that you were kind of foggy and hazy in that period? Meaning like, you know, I, I've had my own kind of experiences using drugs recreationally. And I can look back on some of those periods of time saying that, hey, man, most of the decisions I made there, those were really coming through this haze of narcotics, whatever they were. And it wasn't really me yeah, that was making those you're decisions. You're probably right. I mean, I, I don't know who the real Aaron is until I'm off of the mind-altering substances. 
I like feeling clear. I've enjoyed feeling the clearness of when I was microdosing. And even that, I welcome the idea that maybe that was placebo, you know what I mean? Because right. placebo seems to work as well sometimes. Yeah, sure. So it, I recognize that the placebo groups are seeing improvement as well in some of the studies. So I'm, Which is I, beautiful in and of itself, yeah, which right? Is amazing. But that's a good fast forward right there. So we meet, right? You start to listen to these people's stories. You yeah. start to kind of get more information on the mental health realm as a result of hearing some of this stuff. And you start to wean yourself off of these medications that you've been on for the greater portion of your adult life. And you start to transition away from these prescribed pharmaceutical solutions into a more homeopathic, holistic kind of pathway. So take us there. You start to decrease your dosage. Yeah, then what? well, I, I started recording you guys just for hire. You know, you, you, you came into my studio and, and hired me to start recording you. And I, I didn't know you guys from Adam. I was like, okay, I see what these guys are doing. They seem kind of out there. And, you know, I thought it was pretty outlandish at the time. And then, um, like everything I record, I usually go home and do a little research on who I was just recording and what I was just recording. And I find out that like, oh, no, Stanford does studies on this. And no, Johns Hopkins does studies on this. Oh, actually, this is not a joke. And this is not outlandish. You know, these guys are not these stoner people that's like the the image i had in my mind at first so then you guys keep coming in and i'm asking you a lot of questions i'm sure you can remember and i'm sure the episodes <laughs> will <laughs> will show that i'm i'm very inquisitive but uh i think at some point we discussed like well you know if it attaches to the serotonin the receptors like, uh, serotonin, serotonin receptors, receptors. yeah yes like... you know if you can get off your your medicine, like it might benefit you. You could try microdosing or this and that. I was terrified of tripping. I do not like getting high or having any type of like mind altering experience. Meanwhile, we're on mind altering drugs, right? The whole time the, through, right? So yeah, I'm on Zoloft, which is like changing. Yeah, it's so weird. But all my friends can tell you that I've had panic attacks just while getting high, smoking weed with them. I've had panic attacks while trying edibles for the first time and then and then it's like all right i'm never doing that again so i'm just this anxiety case and i do not like anything mind altering so first i knew i had to wean down off of the zoloft and the amitriptyline because i was on both when i met you guys that took some time because i wanted to take it super slow so i would like cut the dose in half and then i would even like half that and then i would start the every other day just because i remembered how bad it was trying to go off it's like okay no i'm gonna cut the half and half i get it people out there it's not possible to cut this little sliver in half but just all i can say is be careful weaning down and like take it very seriously and were you doing this with under the kind of supervision of the therapist who prescribed this to you or no i was you, doing it on my own and were you still talking to that therapist no, were you letting no, him know the, what you were doing the therapist that i began Zoloft on is long gone, like maybe yeah. a decade gone. Yep. Like I haven't spoken to a therapist. But somebody else is prescribing this stuff for yeah. you, aren't they? My primary is happy to just keep me on it. because Without like, any kind of conversation, yeah. your primary is not necessarily trained. And then not even him, health. but like, you know, he knew the psychiatry practice that like prescribed me. Mm -hmm. I've got totally different primary who never knew the primary, who knew the psychiatrist. So they're still who, prescribing you yeah. this stuff this heavy stuff 
mm-hmm. without any type of active kind of yeah. oversight or participation in this process. They're just writing a script yeah. and you're coming home and you're Brand just, and you thought that was okay, dude? Like, that's okay? It's weird. It's weird thinking back You're worried on it. about, you know, like taking these plant medicines and you're like <laughs> eating these pills that are just being prescribed, you know, willy nilly by some dude. It's weird. Oh, oh, my, gosh. It's, oh my God. It's comical now. So I took it really slow. I got off them. I began microdosing. I never felt any of those crazy symptoms like with the Zoloft. When you feel worse before you feel better, you feel, right. you feel much more anxiety. I never got that terrible feeling to start. If I missed a day or decided to skip a day or two days or three days. This I, is with the psilocybin microdosing. With the right. microdosing. I never felt withdrawal. I never felt. And just to be clear, they're binding to the same serotonin receptors in the brain, right? So it's kind of like a one-to-one replacement for these pharmaceutical yeah, solutions. That, I was doing tons of research on my own because I was interested for my own well-being and just to figure out what this is all about and just make sure I'm not Make sure I'm not in a cult and uh-huh. that, I'm ac- that I'm actually... Let me ask you a question. How much research did you do on Zoloft before you started popping it? None. Oh, cool. Awesome. Thanks. But, Thanks I, saw, but I saw the commercial with the little bouncing face that was very... <laughs> it was very compelling, right? Marketing is <laughs> that great. That face was very sad. And all of a sudden, that face was very happy. But when the commercial concludes, they say, by the way, the side effects of taking this medication is like, you know... that is enough to give me a heart attack right. yeah so you looked away during that part that of the commercial stuff is terrifying so carry on please so you're doing research you're starting you're you're all at this point you've weaned yourself off of these uh prescription medications you're replacing them with psilocybin microdosing moving forward what happens so you're feeling better, you're saying. So I'm I'm ridden with anxiety and depression, but I'm starting to feel like I might be feeling better uh, from the microdosing. But I don't know; it could be placebo. And I'm seeing all Even this. Even if it is placebo at this point, we are not taking those pharmaceuticals. We're not taking any pharmaceuticals. Longer, right? Nope. Cool. So and you're basically allowing your brain to reclaim its function as the governor of the chemicals that are deployed yeah, within yeah, the system yeah, right yeah so the brain is basically allowed to do its job the way yeah, it was always yeah. designed to do right so i do my research and i'm like well look the best results and the real results and the results that are to me and i encourage anyone to go online and see what they make of the studies but to me it seemed proven that full psilocybin trips were creating real results so that's when I started to lean the other way. I was like, man, I might have to do a journey because I want to get better. And also I was like, these guys might be total BS and this might be some stupid cult. And I kind of need to figure out if it is. And that means I need to do a journey. Either way, even if it's BS, I need to do a journey. And how long were you microdosing before you came to that conclusion? I don't know. What do we think? Maybe six months, maybe less. Maybe four months. All right. So somewhere somewhere within that range. So four yeah. to six months later through the microdosing. And not only that, but like there's people that need a breakthrough medication. They need something that's a breakthrough. Right. I need to find out if this is total BS or if this could be that breakthrough. And I'm not trying to say that I'm uh, courageous and I'm doing this for them. I'm also doing it for me and I'm also doing it 
for our podcast. There's nobody more reluctant than me. There's nobody more scared. Like I'm panic prone. And skeptical, right? And skeptical. You're pointing to a thoughtful kind of methodical approach to this potential solution. So you didn't just jump in like some people do, right? I defy anybody to tell me they were more thoughtful than I was in going into this because we've been at this for at least six months. More, yeah. Every time I go home from doing one of these podcast sessions, I do more research. And I was seeing the research about just how little harm it's doing to anybody. You got to look at the statistics. You got to look at all the case studies. There's so little risk for you. But the upside is great. And the upside could be monumental. So it's like, yeah, eventually I coaxed myself into doing it. It was basically... The only reason not to do it was because I'm afraid and not like just a reason to do it all its own. Right. Because it's like, how do we get past our fears? And that's, that was a big thing. I, I'm not a courageous person. And I usually, take, at least you didn't think you were. Yeah. I usually take the path of least resistance. And I was like, ah, for once I need to do something that I know I'm scared to do and just do it anyway. Right. Stepping outside of our comfort zone is mm-hmm. uh, where the growth happens. Absolutely. I can't tell you how glad I am that I did it like I'm so glad I did it and it was probably the most intense experience I've ever had in my life I don't want to get into the actual integration at this moment but intense we're not talking physical intensity right the most psychologically intense psychologically psychologically intense the most profoundly hard to put words it it was it it was everything it wasn't a high by any means oh no Lord, I mean, it was not a high. And if anybody's looking for a high, like, this is not it. You're going to have a profound experience. This wasn't a fun recreational thing to do, right? This not at like, all. Let's be clear, right? And Everybody I, that's hearing this knows that you're going to put in some work. It was taking me down a path. All right, so wait, wait, wait hold on. I hear where you're going. And I want to go down that path. With yeah, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. We can, we, can, we can back up. No, let's actually hit the fast forward button. Okay. So. We stopped doing the prescription medications, right? We're microdosing psilocybin. We're feeling the benefits. We're feeling that there's something more to it. We're doing research. We're coming at this very kind of thoughtfully. We get to the point where we say, hey, maybe the research is valid and one of these macro doses could be beneficial, right? We get intellectually curious about the process. We're feeling good enough about where we are physically and mentally. We've done the background work. So here we are ready to make a decision. We say, you know what? I want to try this. I want to try this for me. I want to try this for my family. I want to see if indeed, as they're describing it being a breakthrough therapy, if perhaps I can get my breakthrough using this kind of therapeutic, homeopathic, holistic type solution. And we have a date on the calendar, right? And we march forward towards that date. And we get crazy nervous and we cancel (laughs) and we reschedule for a week later. But still, I know, I know, teeth, this, that, doctors, blah, blah. Most people get cold feet because it is this great unknown, right? And even if it has all this therapeutic benefit, well, if the therapeutic benefit is real and I get to be brand new, then, oh my gosh, who am I going to be? What am I going to be? It's almost an existential threat to the ego to even do this, even though I know it could potentially it fix was, everything. Well, quote it was unquote, funny. Like I, won't. I was having like one of my more anxious weeks or whatever. When you're an audio engineer 
and you're editing projects for a dozen different people and they're all bothering you asking you, hey man, like, can I get it yet? Can I get it yet? And I was getting a lot of that. Or can we schedule? Can we schedule? Like, I want to do this session or that session. And I was overwhelmed and I was really stressed out. So the default world wants to see how bad you really want it. So it's like, let's yeah, I guess like you, the, right? yeah, the universe was like, you're going to have to say no to all these people. It's the last thing people want to do, right? End up in the dental chair and you pick that over your ceremony I, I, to show everyone I, how, like, I you know. that over my ceremony and I hate to and stuff like that. All right. So, boom, you uh, you get to the date on the calendar, which has been, you know, selected as your ceremony date, your new birthday, so to speak. But you only find out about that after the fact. Um, and uh, and you dive in. Right. That's the kind of best way to put it. You dive in. How does that even look and feel? What were you going through when you were kind of... Well, I was very honest with you when I got there. I was just like, man, I'm really scared. And I just don't know. And and you, you were very patient and you were very kind. And you were just like, well, I can tell you like what it might feel like and like what the timeline might be like with like when you're going to start feeling it and when you're going to want to go lay down. And the rest is up to you, man. I was like, man, this guy is so kind and so open to just like whatever happens. Like maybe it doesn't happen. And I, I kind of knew like, you know, this, there's no, there's nothing malevolent here. And I got to just try this. And I, I took it and we sat and we talked just a little bit before I decided to go lay down. Cause I was feeling tingly in my head and I wanted to be prepared because I'm a panic case and i was pretty sure i was just gonna faint so that anxiousness was even there in the yeah, beginning I thought, I, was, you... I thought i was gonna faint because this is what happens when i have my panic attacks as i mm -hmm. faint and so i just wanted to go get in bed and get ready but you gave me so many tools and so much amazing advice before going into this that i didn't faint and I was like ready for all of it because of all the tools, like the focusing on your breath, like feel the diaphragm moving. I kept a pillow tight to me so that I could feel it moving when I would move my diaphragm to breathe. And I moved through the anxiety, just like you want to move through each little snapshot of the picture that's being shown to you when you're going through your ceremony. Even that was stuff that you told me. It's like, you know, at some point you're going to let go. You're going to move through it. And all the little things that you might see that you're afraid of, even if you think this is a bad trip, you're going to accept it, move through it, continue with the breath. You gave me all those tools before we went in. And I attribute that to why I didn't have like a full-blown like panic attack. And I still think it's incredible because Aaron has panic attacks. Right. It's great that you're saying Aaron, almost referring to it in kind of third person. Yeah. I recognize maybe you're not yeah, that. Yeah, it's probably not me. Everything is not to be taken as seriously as I once thought. That's a profound statement coming from you, given your background and the way you yeah. kind of saw life previously. So yeah. your, your experience starts to kind of activate, right? And you know to go lay down. You lay down. You grab your pillow. You start using some of the tools and techniques that you were prepared with. And how does it unfold from that point where you start to close your eyes and start to really fall into your breath? What's happening? How do you describe some of this? Yeah, experience? yeah. I get into bed, I'm like terrified. I'm just like, oh my goodness, like here we go. Like I'm starting to feel weird and tingly and 
from an outside perspective, you looked super chill. Really? Yeah, you looked super chill. I was so like impressed with. And that's the, the way nature you were. of my anxiety, and it's almost something that used to anger me. There's always been chaos in my mind, mm -hmm. and everybody always talks to me like, "Aaron, you, you're such a chill guy. Like you just seem so mellow all the time." And I'm like, that used to f infuriate me because someone could tell me that when I'm having the most anxious time. Mm. And I'm like, how dare you tell me that? Like, I am really going through it right now, wow. like in the back of my mind. But I'm always polite and I don't want to tell people like you're dead wrong. Like, you, <laughs> but uh, so the contents of the package don't necessarily. Yeah, match no, up they don't. The, doesn't uh, match at exterior. All. But so, so I was having that anxiety and I was just closing my eyes and I was feeling all these vibrations. And I Wait, you said you were feeling vibrations. No, I don't know when reality started to blend with. You still don't exactly. And I like that. And I, I'm so with you on that. It's just like, we just don't know. I don't know. I don't know what's real. But we had some construction outside and I could hear them. And I had my head against this, this headboard, leaning back, closing my eyes because I could feel the tingling and all that. And I felt a vibration against the back of my head. And I thought, okay, well, that's probably just the construction. Like, I guess they're getting closer to us. And maybe they were. Aaron, they were out for their lunch break during that time. That's insane. <laughs> that's insane. <laughs> Carry on. So the vibration. The vibration to the back of my head was so intense, but it felt good. It was like a nice vibrating. I was like, oh, this is kind of like giving me some chills and some nice vibrations. But then, like, the front of my face is literally, like, shaking, and I'm vibrating. And then it felt as if there was a hand up against the side of my face. And I was like, that's not normal. Like, oh, wow. I was like, Did it feel comforting, the hand against your face? Not yet, man. Like, it just felt like a it's hand. It's too foreign, right, to, to feel yeah, comfortable? Yeah, it just felt like a hand. And then um, my core was even vibrating and mm -hmm. felt like it was shaking. And I'm closing my eyes and I'm just saying to myself, I would like for this to stop. This is not OK. Oh, wow. For an outside observer, you were still that's like you were so still. That's amazing. Yeah. So for me, I had to talk to myself and I was saying you're supposed to move through it and you got to let it be OK. But then the other side was like, no, this is like that time when I took edibles or got too high and I was starting to not see straight and I was starting to feel things and see things funny and things are getting blurry and weird and I don't and then that other voice that was more encouraging was like yeah but you knew that was going to happen you knew things were going to feel weird and this time you're in bed and you've got a pillow and you're fine you don't have to do anything you can just lay there and it can be weird so those two were battling it out wow it was very dark I know I had my eyes closed the whole time you know, it was daytime, but then it got very dark. Mm -hmm. It got extremely dark. And I was like, this is not good. Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to a bad place right now because it's getting very dark. And uh, again, I just kept saying, like, no, well, this, this has to be okay. You so the two it. voices were at play for a little while. Yeah, yeah. I was fighting it. Did one voice eventually disappear? The voice that said, this is not okay and I got to get out of this just disappeared. It fell off, right? And eventually... I didn't even need the voice that said this is okay, although that voice must have been there for a while because now we're getting into the real the juicy of it. Yeah. part of it Yeah, because this was an explosion. This, Amazing. This feeling was like earth shattering and just a total explosion of 
darkness and then me questioning my existence anymore and do I exist anymore and what if I don't come back from this what if this is what dying is like and maybe you are dying and maybe you don't come back maybe that's it maybe that's the end of Aaron's existence this is an interesting point because at this point we have a choice to either go through that or resist that and that's going to really determine how the next sequence of the experience unfolds. If we try to resist what is, we end up with this quote unquote bad trip, right? Because we're literally pushing away the truth of the moment, right? The opposite end of that is do we embrace it and go through it and say, well, maybe if this is it, what is it? What of me is dying? Maybe it's that old version of me that no longer suits me. Maybe I want that to die because mm -hmm. I know I'm physically safe. So we have a choice to make. And you obviously made a choice, right? To me and whatever, I welcome our audience to say, oh, well, scientifically speaking, this is just this and this is just that. But to me, I can only tell you that this is what it felt like I was seeing. Meaning it was very real to you. Explosive amounts of light. The only thing I can compare it to is the way that I've always been taught about like the Big Bang sort of theory. Mm -hmm. This all just comes from an enormous explosion. All right. Tremendous release of energy. And with that would be intense bursts of light that come. And I thought I was seeing this because I was dying. And, and, right. and maybe when you die, you just get to see it all. You get to see how it all began or you get to see how, whatever. I didn't know. Mm -hmm. Don't all these people that talk about near-death experience talk about a light at the yeah, end of the tunnel, yeah. so to speak? And Basically, I you're saying that, hey, man, by choosing to allow this egoic death... Happen, and this was the last time I heard the voice, because the voice amazing. was seeing what it's like to be gone out of the physical realm. My life is over, and maybe this is what it's like. And this is not okay. And then one more time, the voice was like, this has to be okay. Mm. And... Eventually, I started seeing all afraid. Well, I just it felt warm. I mm -hmm. felt a warmth. So maybe this is okay. You know what I mean? Another very human thought in my mind was like I started thinking about my loved ones. Wow. And I was like, wait, 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 wait. There's people I love. Like, what about them? That's the one thing that wouldn't be okay. Yes, this feels very warm. I'm seeing beautiful imagery, even though it is explosive, and it was explosive. Um, but it was beautiful and I felt warm. And I will say, even before this, with all that vibration that was happening, back of my head to the front of my face, to the pelvis, to the whole body or whatever, I started feeling as if I was being cradled and rocked. Like wow. my body was like being cradled and rocked just like this, like I'm moving my hand. I was being very slowly and gently cradled and rocked. Something was trying to make me feel good. I, wow. I fought that. I was like, doesn't matter that it feels good. This is weird. This is bad. That was part of the fighting it. And then the explosiveness. And I know this is not good, but eventually I was like, you know, it feels good. The warmth of it, you know, this kind of feels good. Right. This parallels not only a near death experience, but childbirth. Don't even get me started. We're going there. So seeing the loved ones, I could tell this was me like clinging to my earthly life or whatever. Mm -hmm. I saw my mom, I saw my dad. I saw my brothers. I was like, I love them so much. Like, and I saw my girlfriend of 10 years. She's the only one I saw who's not a part of my immediate family. No, I saw my grandmother, who I love very much. And I saw all of them almost like they were sleeping. 
but I would see them in peaceful sleeping states. I was able to like hug them and hold them and love them. I don't know if it was like with my body. It was probably more with my energy. And I was like seeing this great void after this great explosion and these bursts of light and all this stuff. But I'm gone. Like, how am I able to love them? Wow. But I'm doing it. Like, I'm, well, lo- I'm, I'm loving them. That you know what I mean? Oh. And then I gave it to myself. I was like, you know, I think you can love them when you're gone somehow. Like, I think that's okay, too. And so it all was just okay. This is not typical for an anxious person to have these kind of thoughts and awareness. Right. right? This is like right. very atypical right. from your old mindset. This was intense. The most intense experience I've ever, I've ever had by miles. So. So you, there's the explosion, right? There's the letting go of what was the egoic death, so to speak. There's the rebirth where you're literally being kind of cradled by the cosmic. Now mother. there's more birth stuff that came later but i think before that was when i had a lot of darkness and weird almost like i was down in the muck Hmm. the muck and the mud and the earthy nothingness that was before humans ever were Mm -hmm. maybe before organisms ever were the primordial ooze Yeah. yeah and i was like this is strange wow and it was somewhere in there that, like, I feel like I was seeing some history. Mm. Your history or history of everything? The history of it all, like right. how it began. I don't know which voice I started to hear first, but I heard a woman singing in very tribal fashion mm. or whatever, which could have been Native American or could have There was been... no music playing in the room. I, I mean, I asked. Well, I'm telling you, there I was, was no music I was convinced playing. that there was. No. And you told me there wasn't. And I heard different little chiming little glittery chiming noises almost like pans and chimes and i heard the woman doing the tribal chant which was more solo and then at some point i heard a very low-pitched group voice doing a chant and then a very like hollow but peaceful sounding drum like a low low-pitched drum that would have been on a skin not on like a more modern thing like an actual skin and that's like i know these tones because you know i'm into music and all that stuff and it was a very old drum and it'd be drum 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 chant drum 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 chant drum drum and it was a very low chant and it was definitely tribal and it was old and it was maybe before we ever spoke in actual languages to each other right we use vibration to communicate meaning that was bizarre and like for for you to tell me like no i didn't just play a bunch of travel music later i was just floored i was like you gotta be kidding me because i heard this music and then sometimes when i would breathe in i would hear this like otherworldly sound a chord that was being played that was on an in-breath on an in-breath so i was getting music that was going with my breath then i was i would get chimes here and there and the I got Maybe the vibration was your breath, but that's a whole nother fine. Who knows? Yeah, yeah, who knows? So um if it matters, I heard birds fluttering around my head. That was before I was even vibrating like mm. and all that stuff. But after all that scary kind of in the muck, hearing all these tribal chants and stuff like that, I was and I didn't know at the time, I was like, maybe this is how it all began, or maybe this is how it all ended, or how universes end, or maybe how a star 
implodes and eventually just takes out everything around it. And I'm just like, I don't know what that massive explosion was, but like, I'm not here anymore and it's got to be okay. And eventually it was like I was under some fleshy tone and I was seeing bits of light outside and I was hearing the sounds of hospital machines and I was like, I swear to God, I'm in the womb right now. Oh, wow. I'm in my mother's womb. Like, this is crazy. I swore. And again, I welcome anybody to say, well, that's just, you thought that because this, and like, look, if you want to try to quantify it, that's fine. You know what you know. Right. That's just how I saw it. That was intense because I was like, well, maybe the end is the beginning and the beginning is the end. It's just like, they're not. It's all one thing, right? Who's going to draw a line in the sand to say this is where one thing starts and yeah, the next it, begins? It doesn't begin and end. They just create each other. And that's just yeah. how it is. Right. So I was seeing all this destruction and this explosiveness that surely nothing could survive. But then here's me being born after I just accepted my death. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Again, it keeps pointing back to like, who am I? What is this thing I call me? Is it tethered to this body-mind complex or is it something beyond that? And when this body-mind fades away, as sure as we know it will, maybe I go on. Maybe who I really am has nothing to do with this body. So I felt like I could hear maybe the air conditioner blowing or like the air coming through the vent, mm -hmm. but then it would fade back into that hospital noise. Mm. And I was like, Oh my God, the hospital noise was that air vent or the air vent created the hospital noise. Mm. But all I know is I was in the womb and I was hearing hospital noises. Wow. You know, I was seeing such amazing lights and images and this is existence and non-existence. And this is how things came to be. And this is also how things end and it's all okay. And I was having such a great time. And I just remember starting to come to a little bit and hearing sounds from the actual room. I had to pee so bad. So like I started to giggle. I was closing my eyes and laughing because I didn't want to stop experiencing this. I knew how bad I had to go to the bathroom, but I was like, man, when you open your eyes, what you see, you might not even recognize it. You might not be able to walk. So I was laughing at the fact that I needed to go to the bathroom. You were laughing at your own thought process, basically, at that point. And I might not be able to go to the bathroom. Usually people would be like, yo, I'm going to piss myself. But I was laughing at the predicament that I was in because I was like, this is hilarious. This is absurd. Like the whole, And in fact, everything is absurd. And I remember the panic, Aaron, was like, what if I see this? And then my brain's like, I don't know, I'll show it to you. And like, ah, cute. That's how it works. So yeah. like I had like critters, could be spiders and snakes or like just all kinds of bugs and just trying to crawl from my peripheral to the center of my vision. And I remember I was still in all that explosiveness and it was like, ha, I'm dealing with the nature of existence and non-existence. Like I don't even have time for you guys something in my head was like remember how scared you are of spiders and i was like i don't know then i'll try to see one like right here in front of my face so i try to get this image of a spider like right in front of my face like this and i was like i don't know man it's just a shape and it's just what it is and like i don't i don't know i got no time for this 
It's like I was moving through all my fears. And that was a big thing before we even began. I was like, I want to face my fears. Like, I never face the things I'm afraid of. And I just want to do that. So you basically actively manifested it within your ceremony just to be able to recognize that there's nothing to fear there in the first place. I started to come to and I was like, man, like, it's all just not that serious. And I was just giggling. You know, so much of this is just not a problem that I should be taking seriously that functionality that you're identifying right there isn't exclusively applied to ceremony space meaning out here in the default world maybe it works the same way maybe the stuff that we're afraid of we actively draw to ourselves to be able to overcome that fear because how could i overcome the fear if i don't it's so true and like before we came i told you how scared i was and you were telling me the story about um your son and it's like you know he was terrified of swimming you know how i got him to swim i took him into the water i had to take him into it he was scared of the water he didn't want to go in there and i was like duh right you know what i mean parent what do we do we say hey there's nothing to be afraid of you're protected you're cared for and we have to almost draw them into the fear to be able to go through it otherwise no i mean like seriously like how could i be so thick that's how overcoming fear is done through going into it right. and moving through it that's powerful dude i mean if you so can integrate simple. that alone you carry that tool with you out oh, here yeah. into the default world it's like wow it's a game changer right there's no greater illusion than fear right but you knew that intellectually before but now you knew, I, know it experientially and re- that's a game changer you know i read Just it that. i read it you know what i mean I, i've right. been reading the Tao all the time since you showed it to me while we were finishing up a podcast one day and I and I was really into it. I was like, wow. Because the Tao was this tiny little book and like I my older brother's really religious and he's always reading the Bible. I'm like, dude, this insanely convoluted book. It's like so long and it's so confusing and the verbiage is hard to understand. And you showed me this little book, the Tao, and I'm just like, let me try that. <laughs> This is before asking you if I could keep it or anything. I was so into it that I was like highlighting it. And I had to tell, I was like, Dan, I, I wrecked it. So I grabbed you a new one on Amazon. So yes, I read, right. I read that, that fear, that, there's, that there's no greater illusion than and fear. And the Tao is, it, it's the great way, basically. So you, you I, knew it. Dude, I didn't understand it. Right. I highlighted it because that's intriguing, but I could never feel that way. That was one that I just couldn't grasp until that experience that I just had. So, wow. yeah, that's, uh, that's not a trivial takeaway. Yeah. Right I could there. not get my head around that one until that ceremony. That's my favorite line in the whole book. Wow. So, so the giggle that I had when I came to, cause like I was still closing my eyes cause I could just feel that I had, that I had to pee, mm-hmm. <laughs> I, but the rest was like, I was still seeing some amazing things and I was realizing what I had just been through. I was like, dude, you just experienced the start of the whole universe or the end of it and then your birth you just been through it and everything's fine and i'm just laughing and laughing. you probably thought i was a madman i was like laughing so much dude you weren't laughing audibly really you were laying there like a rock the dude, whole was, time you didn't like, move you didn't speak wow. you did nothing until wow. you got up to you know go to the bathroom i could feel it in my abdomen i couldn't help but like laugh i was no, just like I was, I was really like there was no music there was no laughter except for all the music and laughter that was going on inside of you which right. was obviously the whole universe right yes. like doing yes. its thing so yes wow i must be so dense that i that's couldn't hear ins- any of that that's insane 
I had to go to the bathroom for so long, but like, I didn't want you to see the stupid smile on my face. I was like, he's going to look at this stupid grin on my face. Meanwhile, my eyes were closed and the whole be, time. And be like, what the heck? <laughs> so needless to say, there was no anxiousness there. No, no. And I realized the way I was smiling and I was just like, you used to smile like this maybe when you were a child at times. You got to bring this smile out into the world and other people need to see you smile and so you can make them smile and then you know i was seeing all kinds of things that resembled the shape of a smile because a smile has that curvature to it mm -hmm. and i started seeing the vibrations of the sounds that i was hearing and how they can resemble a smile the way they curve so it's all wave patterns and the, and the way that waveforms can curve the way that DNA curves. And I saw, like, vividly, I saw, like, dolphins swimming and, like, mm -hmm. the curvature of dolphins as they swim. Right, they're mirroring. Over and under the water. And I was like, man, it's all just this pattern. And, like, this smile could be part of that. And I need to smile and bring a smile to other people's faces. And if there's anything I'm going to try to do is just, like, meet everything with a smile. Wow. You know, I'm sure it's not going to be easy all the time but it's like man if i could just meet everything with a smile that would truly be amazing it would be and that's not a trivial takeaway either because you know uh, scientifically speaking we hold a smile for 10 seconds the chemical cocktail that our brain deploys is quite beneficial and for so, us and as yeah. you identified it's infectious so other people see us smiling yeah. they're more inclined to smile so we can set off this kind of daisy chain of happiness and positive vibes yeah. just through a little curvature of our lips that's yeah i mean and what I, is and that i know and just to say everyone in the room is smiling right now i don't know if that's coincidental or not this whole this it's whole, not just me and you yeah this whole thing ended with me like needing to go to the bathroom wondering how long it's being timeless right it felt like it went by super fast and like a roller coaster ride right. but in the moment there's no sense of linear time i had right? no it's, sense of time right exactly. no sense of time whatsoever right you're only making this evaluation after the fact looking back on it because you don't have let's say words or understanding yeah. to communicate the timeless nature of the experience yeah right? and so i'm laughing and I'm thinking how silly I probably look to Dan. Like, he's probably over there watching me, and he's probably smiling at how silly I look. And then I was laughing at the fact that you're probably smiling, and then it became a feedback loop because I was seeing you, and you weren't. You were just over there meditating or something. But I was seeing you <laughs> kind of laughing at how much I was laughing and then that was making me laugh more. And then that was making you laugh more. And we were just like in this feedback loop of making each other laugh and just staring at each other, like smiling. That's, that's a cool loop to get caught in, right? So that was probably one of the last images I'd go out to meet you and, and tell you like, <laughs> man, that was crazy. <laughs> so that, that was about it. I'm glad that we were able to enjoy a good uh, laugh in the, in the cosmos together. That was beautiful. Every time I see you, bro, I'm going to be... I'm going to try to lock eyes and smile at you because I think <laughs> I could use the room because I because I th that felt so real to me. I was like, no, we're we're brothers, man. We amen. That was us for real. And then it points back to what is this real that you're talking about? What is it and how do you know and prove it? Right. Well, I have this new knowing and you had it before I ever did. And now we can smile about it.
is how I feel about yeah. that last image. Wow. Now I know. Can we, you ever unknow this? No. And the only thing that comes to mind, because I feel great. I feel so wonderful. I already am like, man, am I going to drop back down ever? Of course, after something that earth shattering, you're kind of like. It's the right. nature of the waveform, isn't it? After something that intense and all that stuff I just described seeing and experiencing, of course, like, I don't want to go do that again right now. That was like this insane ride. Do I even have it in me to go do it again right now? Mm. But or do you even need to, frankly? And the other part of me is like, dude, what if you get deep down into that anxiety and depression again? Like, but doesn't that sound like one voice versus the other voice back like, in that it's experience? Like, it's like you might need to do it, and it might be worth it if you mm. get that bad again. But I don't know if I'll ever get that bad again. Right. You know, I, would you? I feel wonderful. And Why would I, you except for thinking about it, right? So the idea is let mm -hmm. go of that and just yeah. enjoy the moment, meaning this has to be okay. Like you kept hearing, yeah, this yeah. has to be okay because this is what it is. Mm -hmm. And this too shall pass and this and this and this. Just be present, chill, enjoy the moment. It's all happening in a very lawful and divine way and enjoy the ride, right? Like enjoy the ride. The way you recognize those two voices before your ceremony really started to take off gives you the ability to make a distinction between the two. And so now in kind of default mode, we could recognize when those two voices are activated. We could recognize the difference between one, which is sponsoring and promoting fear and anxiety and concern versus the other one, which was saying, you know, everything's cool, everything's chill and giving us this sense of peace and relaxation. And now that we've been able to, again, discern between those two voices, man, we know which one to follow yeah and which one not to yeah and i gotta tell, i mean i have no plans of changing my mindset and my new outlook on life meaning you could hear that old voice still but you could choose not to follow it i mean it's not different it's just not me like drive voice is not me hold on that's huge that voice is not mm -hmm. me mm -hmm. right I was driving here, it's like seeing people just driving as dangerously as they could. And I'm seeing that it's like nine o'clock and I'm like, yeah, this person is trying to get to work and he's putting me in danger. But you know what? It's a thrill. I don't, I didn't get stressed. I was just like, like look at this. Look at me out here. All these cars and just like we're racing around and this insanity and absurdity of all this. Like I just have this dumb smirk on my face. I'm just like, it's all just fun it's a playground we were talking about that after it's like you know this is our playground like we're, we're having fun here while we're here on this plane in, in this type of existence i look outside and i i don't think anybody is living life that way this is amazing we're in the sandbox having fun i want more people to have that just by sharing your truth sharing your experience you're helping others do exactly that whether they get to experience it firsthand or experience it through your words, you're reminding everyone that, hey, we are kids at play in the universe's sandbox. And if we fall and scrape our knee and cry about it, it's okay. But don't get caught up in that moment because that too shall pass. Come back and play. Like we're all here. Come back and play. That's what we're here to do. And as hard as it might seem, or as hard as it might be in a moment, that too shall pass, 
right? Don't lose sight of the greater picture. And the greater picture is that we're all at play and it is all okay. Perhaps the way we see the world isn't the definitive model of it. Perhaps there's more to the story and it's just our perspective that needs slight shifting to be able to kind of see it for what it is and not see it for what we are, meaning our whole backstory, allowing it to define what the moment is and looks like and what the future is going to be. Maybe it's not that. Maybe when we let go of that old moment, can this moment be brand new and in its newness can reshape our story of self and other and real and not. But we have to allow that, let's say, death of what was to happen to create space for the rebirth of what is and what will be to occur. One doesn't happen without the other, much like that waveform. It's all one wave, even though we define it as having an up and a down, a crest and a tro. No, man, maybe that's just my limited intellect trying to define it and label it and categorize it in such a way, but it's one thing going on. Mm -hmm. It's one thing going on and it's propelling us forward. It's this evolutionary process unfolding before our very eyes. We just kind of lose sight of it as a result of getting caught up in the story that we tell ourselves. But it's not the whole thing. And perhaps if we allow ourselves to die, so to speak, metaphorically, right? Can we usher in this rebirth, this new me? We have to have a space for that to happen. We have to be willing to let go. And we have to be willing to say to ourselves and that... death is not as scary now. But what is death, right? What is death, right? We, we don't necessarily know. While these billionaires are looking for, you know, eternal youth and eternal life. Yeah. Man, you already have it if you stop thinking True. about death in such a rigid way. Yeah. Where if I identify exclusively with this body and mind, this matter, which I know from the moment the game starts that it's fading away right before my very eyes. Maybe if I stop identifying with that as who I am and this model of me, maybe if I let that definition fall away, I realize that I'm already eternal. You know, again, it's not what is, it's how I define what's going on. And perhaps my definitions are so limited and so rooted in other people's definitions that I can't get past that. And I can't see it for what it is. Yeah. And what it is, is again, a bunch of kids at play forever. Mm -hmm. There is no death. It's a misconception. We could talk about it. People could understand it intellectually, but until you come into conscious contact with that awareness, until you experience it for yourself, until you experience your own death in a way, you don't understand that you're eternal. But what a gift to come to that realization. What a gift. It was a gift. It's amazing. So happy birthday, first and foremost, not for the one that's coming up, for the one that already happened. Now you have two. Which one true. you identify with is your business, not mine. True. But man, the guy that I'm seeing in front of me is not the guy that, you know, I met in the studio that day. I can tell you that right now, um, which is a beautiful thing, you know, beautiful thing. So if you want to pick a new name, pick a new name. Ultimately, calling you Aaron doesn't do you any justice because it keeps you kind of in the same package that we remember that thing that happened before the explosion. One of my favorite philosophers says, um, 
If you name me, you negate me. Mm. Soren Kierkegaard. If you name me, you negate me. You limit everything that I could be by putting me in this rigid box. The eternal is nameless. Naming is only the beginning of all particular things. That's the Tao. Boom. Thank you for sharing this experience. Thank you for sharing it with me. Thank Dude, you for sharing yeah. it with everyone who's listening. This is like this is profound. You. This is this Thank is no you. small thing. I hope everyone enjoys this conversation. It's not a one-off. We have a bunch of talks, Aaron, you and I. We have the pre-explosion talks, right? Which that, we're gonna we're gonna guy. laugh about when we hear them and listen to them and, and, and kind of look back on them and say, wow, that's who I thought I was, like this like rigid set of uh, you know functions. And then we have this conversation, which is you know, the explosion, the rebirth, the happy birthday. And then I'm sure we're gonna have more talks coming up that allow us to give greater context to what is and what was. So everyone that's listening, this is one part of a multi-part conversation with this guy that I used to call Aaron. I'm going to be famous. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Brother, you are on such a level. Jesus.